This is Deep Dive. I'm Su Yi. Welcome to a new episode of Road to a Bright Future. In this special series, we will look at infrastructure projects around the world under the Belt and Road Initiative. Today, we turn our lens to South America. Argentina used to have one of the world's most extensive railway networks, which play a key role in its position as a global hub for grains and meat production. However, multiple financial crises severely impacted the country's economy, leading to a significant contraction that profoundly affected the rail network. One striking example is the Belgrano Railway that ran through northern Argentina. Once a bustling commuter and cargo route, it had been abandoned since the 1990s. Buzzing towns along the line became quiet. But now, a remarkable transformation has taken place, and Belgrano is now referred to as a grain corridor by Argentinians. What has changed? To gain insights into the changes along Belgrano, I have Ignacio Canessi, a journalist based in Cordoba in northern Argentina, to tell us the changes along Belgrano. This episode is brought to you on Friday, July 14th. Railways are an important marker of industrialization. Rail development is closely connected with a country's long-term strategy and real politics. Canessi says the birth of the Belgrano Railway bears particular significance for Argentina. To understand the importance of the General Belgrano Railway, we first have to understand its history. The project was undertaken by the Argentinian state under the name of Central Northern Railway in the early 1870s with the purpose of communicating the province of Córdoba in the center of the country to the nation's more northern territories all the way up to the province of Jujuy on the border with Bolivia. This railway was the first of its kind in the country as it adopted a metric gauge, unlike the central railway that had been constructed and managed by British companies and run under a wider gauge railway. The metric gauge was more economical and proved to have better capabilities outside of the Pampas and into the higher and more difficult mountain territories that characterized the northwest of Argentina. By the early 20th century, Argentina had the third largest railway system on the American continent after the U.S. and Canada. In most of the territories these lines were traced, the train became the first major contact with modernity and it would heavily modify, for better or worse, the lives of the people in these places. It was the modern state of Argentina reclaiming its own territories, redefining the local power dynamics and literally forging into steel veins a new identity, economy and culture. The train allowed plantations and logging where there was jungle mining where there were previously untouched mountains, but also education, possibilities, and lacism. The train and its railway became so much more than metalized and puffers. It became part of the national identity. By the late 1940s, when the six major railway companies operating in Argentina were nationalized by President Juan Perón, the Central Northern Railway, now formally the General Belgrano Railway, had more than 10,000 kilometers of lines, and it was the largest operating railway company. The highly mature railway system brought about opportunities and prosperity. My personal history is linked to this identity. My grandfather, Alfredo Conese, got his first job at the cargo line in the north of Santa Fe by the age of 14. When he got married to my grandmother, he asked for a raise and got it on the condition of being transferred 
to one of the many remote stations where nobody wanted to go. In this case, in the salt flats between Córdoba and Santiago del Estero. If you've ever seen a movie of Hollywood's interpretation of the Far West, this is almost exactly how it looks like, even today. Hard territories for hard people, mostly having hard lives. The expansion of the railway system came in parallel with Argentina's economic boom. In 1945, the country's per capita income was twice as much as Mexico and triple that of Brazil. In the early years after the Second World War, Argentina was as rich as Canada, Australia, and Norway. Things have not gone well since then. Its economy and industrial system went south amid recurrent political turbulence. Industrial production shrank 17% between 1975 and 1981. And after another wave of deindustrialization in the 1990s, the ratio of manufacturing activities in GDP was slashed in half to 17%. All this changed the life course of so many, including Kinesi and his family. By the time my father was born, my grandfather had already made a career and managed to be transferred to a more desirable station in the touristic Sierras of Córdoba, where, 30 years later, I was eventually born. But by the time that I was born, in the mid-1980s, the train was already about to leave my town, like thousands of other towns in Argentina, in many cases, forever. And my father was about to lose the job that he had learned from his father and never to be linked to trains again, just like thousands of other workers like him. You see, the story of the Belgrano line is also the story, sometimes tragic and sometimes hopeful, of Argentina. In 1991, under the administration of President Carlos Menem, the entire railroad system of Argentina was privatized and in many cases dismantled. In the eyes of Sergio Galeano, a union leader of La Fraternidad that was a driver in the early 2000s on the Belgrano freight service, it was just a disaster operating trains those years. There were many, I mean a lot of issues with the state of the tracks. The locomotives were missing windows and they were not clean at all. The tracks, as I mentioned before, had sections where we would travel from Rosario to Pergamino and every kilometer it would derail. We had to get off with the derailment equipment, put it back on the track and continue. It was a disaster, a complete disaster. The rail system suffered as well. By 2015, most freight locomotives in Argentina had been in operation for over half a century. The average speed was 12 kilometers per hour. A major train accident in 2012 killed over 50 people and injured another 700. People believed the status quo was not sustainable anymore and things had to change. In 2013, what was left of the railroad system was renationalized under the administration of, again, another Paris president and current vice president, Cristina Fernandez, who later went on to sign a series of agreements with China to revitalize the newly founded company, Trenes Argentinos. Chinese partners came in. During his visit to Argentina in 2014, President Xi Jinping attended the opening ceremony of the upgrade project for the Belgrano Railway via a video link. 
Today, the Belgrano freight train operates over 4,000 kilometers and is improving its frequency, capabilities, client base, and reopening new lines every year. Even more, Argentina and China are on the verge of completing the Agenda 5 of the Binational Agreement that signifies another round of investments in the country's freight train service by China. Travel time has been halved. Upon completion, it'll be further shortened. Operator Trenis Argentino says the freight volume on the line in 2021 jumped over 40% compared with 2019. To better understand this process and the current state of the company, I interviewed Marcelo Juarez, general manager of the Begrano Cargo and Logistics, the branch of Trenes Argentinos, in charge of all the freight trains. The extensive part consists of approximately 1,200 kilometers of renewed track, all of which comes from north of Santa Fe. We call it the Serial Corridor, which originates from Santa Joaquin Bangos Alleys. You told me the Serial Corridor was vital linking the region to southern ports, and Chinese investments had played an important role in the construction. The Chinese loans also facilitated the addition of rolling stock. For example, in the case of the Belgrano, 40 Chinese locomotives and over 3,000 wagons were added. Covered wagons, platform wagons and other investments started to arrive. The reason for the name Simio Corridor comes from its higher productivity, as it runs through some of the country's most important grains and crops production areas such as Santa Fe. The most productive corridor is the cereal one, where our highest production is achieved. Previously, we used to load grain once or one and a half times a month. However, now we load the same amount almost four times a month. In other words, we are handling three times more volume in the cereal corridor. Marcelo Juarez said the corridors are not only speeding up the transportation of agriculture, but also mining too. We've also been involved in mining operations, transporting mineral products that serve as inputs for lithium production. For instance, we transport materials used in lithium mining, which is a station located 90 kilometers north of Buenos Aires, directed towards the port of Campana. These transportation routes are specifically tailored to meet the needs of mining activities in the Puna region. He said there are ongoing mining projects along a route that spans from Salta Güemes through the Puna region and reaches the border with Chile, ultimately descending towards Antofagasta in the Pacific. And now, the currently active corridors cover a total of 4,500 kilometers. For and Logistics, many of the lines are still deficitary to this day, though Juarez insisted the numbers are getting smaller. He said they need to take a holistic perspective on infrastructure investments. Investment must be accompanied by increased production. It is evident that after China's investment, the railway, particularly the Green Line, has made remarkable progress. The impact of Chinese investment is undeniable. Comparing the period between 2018 and 2019 when Chinese assets started to enter to the present day, we've experienced a growth of 60 to 70 percent. There's no doubt about it. Sergio Aliano worked on the Belgrano just before the nationalization and the Chinese investments arrived. I also asked him his take on all this process. 
Today, many tracks have been fixed, especially in the Tostado and Santa Fe area. The tracks are as smooth as a billiard table. The state has invested a lot of money in all of this, and I want to emphasize that it was done with people who truly understand the railway. So the change was dramatic, even with the Chinese machines. Before, with the General Motors machines, there was no heating, no ventilation, for example. But now you have a heater to enjoy made heating ventilation. It's a complete transformation that has taken place in Belgrano cargo and logistics. Thank God we are doing well, and in terms of salaries, we can't complain either. The project, like many other Belton Road projects, came under criticism over debt concerns. Canessi says it's no surprise that the most vocal critic against it is the United States. There has been a fair amount of questioning around Chinese investments in major infrastructure in South America, most of them coming from the same source, the United States. Focus on its two major wars in the Middle East over the past 20 years, the North American country turned its head from the region, and once it looked back, China was the region's largest trading partner and by far the largest investor and lender. To understand this better, I spoke to Leandro Ocon, a geopolitics consultant who specializes on these issues. In everything related to South America, this is also being seen a lot. These investments from China are not just about offering infrastructure. It directly competes, in the case of South America, with a continent that is presumed to be the backyard of the United States, an area that operates within the geopolitical and North American sphere of influence. It's about starting to operate commercially in strategic matters. Why do I say strategic matters? Because once you invest in something like nuclear technology or railways, the industrial matrix is not neutral. Long-term commitments are made in terms of operation, repair, maintenance, and a very different productive matrix compared to the North American one. For the Argentinians want to see a comeback of its economic glory, what's needed is indeed long-term commitment when it comes to investment and other forms of cooperation rather than geopolitical games. In its days of glory, the Belgrano lines were used by passenger and freight trains. Today, most of the passenger services of the Belgrano are gone. But it seems that is also changing, with some short-distance passenger services from the Belgrano also returning, like in my hometown. Hermoso, in Córdoba, where the train de las Sierras has come back after having been missing for almost three decades. And with the train coming home again, hope, something that people in Argentina are far too accustomed to rely on, re-emerges. Last month, Argentina officially joined the Belt and Road Initiative, laying the foundations for more cooperation with China in areas such as technology, finance, and of course, transport. In April, Argentina also announced it would settle Chinese imports in yuan, the Chinese currency. Analysts say the country grapples with the challenges posed by the rising dollar, which has made it more difficult to sell agricultural products in a global market and repay its debts. So the country is looking for other options and made hopes that it can rise again as a developed economy. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you like what just heard, don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform. Just search for Deep Dive. You can also leave comments to tell us what you want to know about China and beyond. This episode is brought to you by me, Sui. 
and my colleagues Li Yunqi, Feifei, Zhang Zhang, and Qi Zhi. Special thanks to Ignacio Carnesi. I will see you in the next one.